Amen. So good to be here today. Um, and, and actually, I love what Adrian said about just there's always been this sense of connectedness, and I felt like just I actually don't like to prepare too much when I come to church because I want to sit with the people. I want to hear the worship. I want to feel what's going on. Um, and, and I just I felt like, man, this is one of those places you step into and you go, okay, no, this is home. You know, like this isn't this. I don't have to. I'm not wrestling right now in my heart, my spirit. I just feel very connected with the vision and the passion and the in the flow of, of what's happening here. Um, I, I was speaking with the Lord a little bit last night, um, and well, let me give you a little little intro into who we are. You know, we've been on the field now for 12 years. Uh, originally, Jesse and I come from West Virginia in the United States. Um, and in the last 12 years, we've, we've watched as the Lord has done exceedingly abundantly beyond anything, you know, we, 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 we thought we were coming into uh, and arriving in Zambia, Africa. Um, we're now the international head of operations for Overland Mission, so um, our sphere of movement just got a little bit crazier. Um, so we're going to be jumping into Asia and South America, and then our work in Middle East and uh, in Africa as well. Um, but God has been so good in building a team, and that's what He does. He builds a family. He builds a team to accomplish the vision. It's not about Lone Ranger, you know, everyone worshiping the one hero of the, of the group. It's about everyone having a place and everyone being necessary to fulfilling the vision. Um, and that's something that we as Overland Missions believe strongly in. I know it's something that Pastor Adrian and, and, the, and the leadership team here believe strongly in, that you, you have great purpose and great necessity in what God wants to do in this city and in this nation. Um, and that's a great thing to know. You know, and I, I, what, what I was thinking about is, is people came up to be prayed for. Well, so often uh, we kind of get it backwards. We come up and we say, God, what do I need to do? Um, what do I need to be doing in order to have transformation? And really the, the initial question is not so much what you do, but do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Because if you know who you are, if you understand your identity, if you understand what Jesus has done when he said it is finished on the cross, then what you do comes as a really effortless flow. And you don't have to wake up every morning wondering, God, do you like me today? I was pretty sure yesterday, but I'm not sure about today. And then the next day, God, are, 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 you, are you excited to, to, to partner along with me in this thing? Or do I have to now earn your grace again? And, you know, as Christians, we go through this exhausting thing of, of you know, feeling like we just don't know. We don't know day to day, is this a faithful God? Is this a good God? You know, we sing about it, and we feel good while we sing about it, but in our day-to-day -day movements, is it really, is it rooted in us, that understanding that, that He is who He is, and yet, at the same time, we are who He says we are. And so, oftentimes, I think what's out of joint is we don't know who He says we actually are, and we don't know His affections over us. Um, I grew up in the church. I, I, from the time I was born, was, was raised up with um, the gospel being proclaimed over my life and vision and all of those things. And when I got to high school, I made a very, um, a very uh, well, I, I made a decision to move away from the things of God. I made a decision to say, okay, Lord, I know what I know what your kingdom's all about. I know you've been good to me, but I have interests in other areas and I want to go explore. I mean, it was a full-on prodigal son, like, let me take my inheritance, let me go spend it on what I want. Um, and, and really, there were certain factors that played into that. Um, you know, I, I've, I've done sport my whole life and, and soccer was always like the focal point and, and, and I was a very good athlete. 
and so come to high school, you know, grade nine, and suddenly I'm, I'm playing with some of the older kids and hanging out with the older kids and experiencing what the older guys are doing, and, and, and that was a big part of the draw. Um, but to fast forward through a, a, a darker point in my life, you know, my teenage years were, were really me going to church. I never, I never left church. I still went to church, and I, and I told people they needed Jesus because I believed it, but I went and did my own thing. Anyone ever been there? Or is that, you know, completely foreign to any of us? Um, you know, I, I, in Zambia, I said, I, I played the chameleon role very well. You know, I could put on the church hat and put on the clothes and say the right things and walk out of the building with absolute evil intent in my heart to go do completely something else. And, um, and four years into that, I had an absolute dark heart. I mean, my... my I was exhausted. I, I, the weight of condemnation, the weight of guilt. Sin was never enough. I needed more. You know, and it didn't matter what kind it was. It, it, it just, there was this, this, this thing in me that I could not satisfy. I could not satisfy. Yet to the world, I had it all together. I was the, the, the captain of the soccer team. I was going to play for college on a, on a full-ride scholarship. I was the, the president of my class. And, I, you know, all this stuff. I was the valedictorian, the 4.0 student. And the world's going, wow, Jake has it together. And inside I'm going, I hate who I am. I'm an absolute imposter. And, um, and, and that really came to a major crux in my life where because of the hole in my heart, I became more radical in, in every regard. And in, in regards to sin and in regards to the pleasures I was seeking after, I just I started going for it, you know, full, full bore. And um, it put me in a position one evening uh, where, you know, I made some very reckless decisions and the next morning woke up and just thought to myself, I'm going to kill myself. You know, this, this is actually, this is a big problem now. And I went, went back to my, my parents' home and, um, and I was 17 years old, went up into my bedroom and had one of those moments where I started to cry out to God and say, God, would you take me back? Would you even consider like, I know your love. I, I, I knew of your goodness. I tasted of it. I experienced it for year after year. I, I knew your faithfulness. I, I knew these things. They were, they were intimately acquainted with me, and I chose to walk away. How do I get back to you? How do I make it back? If, 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 you, would, if you would allow me, God, I will work for you with every ounce of my being. I will do anything it takes, but God, please, please, please. And I, I sat there weeping in that humbled state going, I have no idea what he's going to say. At that point, the, the knowledge of who God was was so, was so foreign to me, it was like crying out to this, this abyss of, uh, I, didn't, I just didn't know. And it was in that, that moment that uh, I felt the presence of God come into the room. You know, it's like that shift in the atmosphere, and suddenly I was terrified. Uh, and truly, I mean, I, I, I thought, maybe I, he's going to kill me, because <laughs> I deserved it. I mean, in, in my understanding, it was like, I deserve the wrath of God. I could have laid out 15 reasons why death would have been warranted for my life. And, um, and so I got very quiet, and, 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 and I, was, I was scared. And in that place, it was the first time in many, many years that I heard the voice of God speak to me. And this is what God said to me. And I'm sure many of you could write out what you would think he would, he, he'd say. You know, maybe fun thing to do sometime is say, what do you think God said to me? But, but what he spoke to me was this, Jake... I still love you. And immediately, the pain, the, the resentment, the, the, the longing, the, 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 that lack of satisfaction, everything was eliminated. And in that moment, I was completely at peace. In that moment, I realized I have absolutely everything I need right here in this moment. 
If I know that God loves me, then I'll do anything. And that's exactly what I said to him. I said, Father, if this is true, if you love me in this place because it was my weakest, most vile, most pathetic moment of life, if you're willing to communicate your love over me in this moment, then I'll give you the rest of my life. You take my life. And at that point, as I said, my, my trajectory was I was going to do aerospace engineering, play for a Division I program, do Air Force ROTC. I mean, I had a very clear uh, uh, projection going forward of making money and doing what I loved, which was soccer. And I said to the Lord, Father, in this moment, it was so real to me, I'll change everything. And the Lord called me that day to the ministry full time. So I wrote a little letter to, my, to, to, to the Lord and, and, and dedicated my life and went down to my folks and said to my dad and mom, hey, I'm going to change things pretty dramatically right now. Now they had been praying for me and, and, and been watching and observing that my life was, was you know, not on the course it needed to be on. So they were thrilled and excited that I had made this decision, but at the same time my dad's going, whoa, whoa, ministry? <laughs> like, can't you be an engineer and, and do those things and then like love Jesus? That's possible. And I said, Dad, I know myself. I, I, know, I know what I'll do. If I, if I give myself a way out, I will take that way out. As radically as I've pursued everything else in the world, I want to pursue Jesus this way. And I know God's spoken to me, and he's given me his love. I have everything I'll ever need. And so I went through a pretty radical shift. And I'll tell you, for the last 17 years of my life, this momentum has continued, and it's not waned. And in fact, it's just become greater and greater. I stand before you right now more aware of his love, more um, consumed by his love, and more settled and secured by his love than I've ever been. And I want to tell you today that if there's something that you feel is out of joint in your life and you're saying, I don't feel like I'm ever doing enough for God. I don't feel like God's ever pleased with me. I don't, I don't feel like, like you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the, the, the trajectory that he wants me on. Let me tell you, it begins with surrendering to his love and surrendering to the reality that you will never do enough to earn his love. You will never memorize enough scriptures. You'll never do enough 21-day fast. And I love the way that Adrian actually explained it. He's exactly right. You, you spend two days, you know, in a, in a fasted lifestyle, and suddenly this, this awareness, I need God terribly. And, and that's, that's why we do it. But, but I, wanna, I promise you, your effort is not impressing God. Okay? Until we get grounded in this understanding that he loves me because I'm his child. He loves me because he created me. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully created. And I don't, I'm not concerned how you see yourself because I know how Father sees you. And I'm not all that concerned about even what you've had to walk through and how it's, it's, it's somehow diminished what God's doing in your life because I'll tell you this, I know the gospel and I know when Jesus said it is finished, he came into your situation, your circumstance, and he is able to dial you in and say, whatever it is that has defined you up till now, I've removed. And I'm going to define you now by my love and by what I as a father speak over you. And, and, and so I want to talk today a little bit about that very thing. How does father see you? How does father understand you? What does he say over your life? Who are you before the Lord? And guess what? Who you are before the Lord is who you are before every person on this earth. And when we can walk in that capacity, when that insecurity on, you know, I'm so thankful that, that God has delivered me from, I didn't have to, my confidence is not gained by what I'm wearing before you right now. My confidence is not gained by, by um, you know, my, my family name, the, the short figure name. My, my confidence isn't even because I've spent 12 years on the mission field. I'm confidently standing before you right now because I'm a child of God. I'm loved by Him. And He has called me 
to declare his word. He's, he's, he's ordained me as, as what the Bible calls in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a minister of reconciliation. So every one of you stand, sitting in here right now, if you are in Christ, the Bible says you are a minister of reconciliation, meaning you have the capacity and the authority to reconcile broken people to a good God. It's on your life. It doesn't matter if you've got the certificate that says I've been through a three-year Bible training or a three-week Bible training or whatever. The certificate isn't what authenticates it. What authenticates it is the day you come in contact with Jesus Christ and He becomes your Savior. He equips you and empowers you to fulfill this ministry in this city and all over the world. So, um, you know, what, what, what amazed me was here I was thinking that this was some um, unique experience where you know, I was this broken person and I cry out to God and God comes and he speaks this love. But then I began to read the word for myself as a 17-year-old and realized, wait a minute, this is who God is. You know, you read the, the, the story of the prodigal son and, and you read about how, you know, there's this, there's this young guy and he gets an opportunity to take um, his inheritance early from his father and say, I want to go spend it on my own pleasure. And he goes and he spends it all. And before you know it, he's serving um, pigs. And he's looking at what the pigs are eating and he's going, if I could just have what they're eating. You know, he, he's been reduced to such a place where he's longing for pig's food. And that's what we do. Initially, we trade the call of God over our lives, the vision of God over our lives for something else. And we start to pursue it. And before you know it, you go, why am I exhausted? Why am I so desperate? Why do I feel like I have such lack and such need? Well, it's because the plan of God is the only thing that will truly satisfy you can get a bigger house, you can get a bigger, bigger car, you can get a, a, a larger salary, all of those things. I promise you, what satisfies is knowing Jesus and knowing that you're submitted to His will for your life and His plan for your life. When I first started as a 17-year-old on the track of ministry, I had, I had so many people telling me, you're out of your mind. Do you realize you're going to live a life of poverty? You're going to live a life of lack. And I said to them, guys, all I know is that the Word of God is true. And if God loves me and His Word is true, I'm going to be okay. We started on a journey, Jesse and I, um, soon after that, uh, dating and, and, and basically saying, hey, we're, let's, let's go into the mission field. Uh, went to our separate universities. God equipped us through various mechanisms at, at, at college. And then uh, we got married as 22-year-olds. Six weeks later, we landed in Zambia, Africa, and we've been there ever since. Uh, Twelve years now. And what was, what's, what's been amazing is that when we landed, we had so many voices telling us so many things. We had so many expectations and what the will of God was going to look like. And let me promise you this, whatever you expect, it's not going to look like that. <laughs> we landed in Africa ready to take on the world and with faith and with, you know, understanding in our spirit of what God was going to do in Zambia. And we went through two years of hell on earth. I mean, two years of like every week going, God, you sure you love us? Are you sure? Like, you, it doesn't feel like it right now. It feels like we're dying. And then one day, as I was kind of pleading with God about three months in, he said to me, no, Jake, I sent you here to kill you. It was like, oh, okay. Well, when I was 17, you said you still loved me. So I don't know how those two add up. Um, and, and what I began to recognize was because of his love, because he'd driven out all of the insecurity, that I could, that I could be in a place of saying, no, it's, it's to his greatest end and aim that I come to my end because then he can become all in all to me. 
You know, when, when Paul says in Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of, Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He meant it. He wasn't putting out some nice thing that we get to put as a plaque on our wall and feel good about our Christianity. No, this was reality to him. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And so... God, I know, sent me to Zambia, Africa for those first two years to let that statement become a reality in my life because everything in the flesh I had confidence in, he stripped away. I came from the States where even once I became a minister, ministry went well. The college campus burst open and, and, and souls were, were, were coming to Christ and all this thing. So I landed in Africa feeling pretty good about myself. Confident in my soccer abilities, my sport abilities, confident in this, that, and the other. And he put me on a farm where I had to now oversee a farming project. I was not a farmer, although I was from West Virginia, which is kind of, you know, a, a redneck state. Um, and, and, and suddenly I had all these things to do that I knew nothing about. And it was absolutely ordained by God. Because suddenly I found myself going, Father, break me. Father, wipe me of all the stuff that I came confident in and, and, and let me have this foundation where I can move forward in your spirit. Because it's not by my power, not by my not. It's by, it's by His Spirit that anything's going to be accomplished. But what I did come to Africa with that I clung to was certain prophetic promises, which each of us have. So, some from the Word, some where the Word is, you know, we've read the Word, and we, let's say, for instance, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. It says here, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him. Did you hear that? Every way. Not in some ways, not in most ways. In every way you were enriched in Jesus Christ, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. I had certain verses that I, that I, that I stood on, and I said, no, I know the, the Word of God. I know what it says. It says, I'm not lacking in any gift. So when I come to Africa, Father, you're going you're gonna to get... But then there's a difference between claiming a verse and God putting you in a situation where you now have to depend on the very thing you've been claiming. Some of us aren't allowing God to show himself as true. We can sing the songs all day. We can high-five each other and be in fellowship, but until you start to step out, you're not going to see God be the faithful one. You're not going to see that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, which you are not. I promise you. And I promise you that because the Word of God promises it, not because I have anything in and of myself. I know his Word. This is our foundation. More than anything else we see or feel, so, I came to Africa um, first time as a 21-year-old, um, and this was before Jesse and I got married. And on the airplane, as we crested over northern Africa, this like wave of intercession hit me, and I just began to cry out for, for Africa, and I was weeping, and it was, a, it was, it was quite the scene on the, air, on the airplane. Um, and this big burly guy comes up to me, and he taps me on the shoulder, and I'm like, oh, he's, he's upset because I'm causing a scene, and he says, come sit with me, son. I said, okay. So I followed him back to his seat, and he sits me down, and he starts to prophesy over my life, and he says, God's given me a picture of you uh, and of your future, and, and he's going to bring you before presidents and kings and all this stuff, and, and you're going to do an incredible work throughout this continent, um, and, and he just wants you to know to, 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 to stay the course. So I go back to my seat, like, what do you do with a prophetic word like that? You just stick it in your pocket and say, thank you, Jesus, you know, there's no way to manipulate that into existence. 
Um, and yet I carried it in my spirit going, okay, Lord, you know, you've, you've put a decree over my life and I, I, I believe you for it, although there's no way I can produce this in, in my flesh. And uh, we land in Africa and then the next two years we're literally dying on a farm and I'm going, okay, that was, that was, there was nothing true about that statement at all. You know, here I am on this farm. Um, and after those two years, we, we, we were not yet with Overland Missions. We had met those guys in the first two years in Zambia. Um, and so after our two-year commitment to that specific location, we jumped on board with the Overland Missions team. And um, it was a team that was communicating the same vision we had, the same passion to reach the unreached, which has always been Overland Missions' heart and thrust, which is let's get to the places where no one else is getting to. And typically, the reason no one else is getting there is because of the logistic. The four by four, the, you know, our, our motto is any road, any load, any time. And we really believe that it's, it's a true statement. We take such pride in, you know, being in these locations where people are going, no one even knows those people exist. No, we know they exist, and we actually figured out how to get to them. And so I, I was so excited about joining this team and, and, and being a part of it. And in those first few years, uh, our family committed to a, a very small uh, sector um, called the Nyawa Chieftain, neglected, off the beaten path. I would jump on my motorbike and ride out six hours on a Monday morning and r arrive in the chiefdom and begin ministering to the people. And, um, and we did that over a four-year time, and, and we were faithful to that responsibility. And over that four-year time, God brought me into contact with the chief of, of the Nyawa people, about 45,000 people under his jurisdiction, and, um, and very quickly, we became friends. And it was strange. I was in my 20s. He's in his late 50s, early 60s. So that dynamic was already, there was nothing culturally that, that bonded us. And yet God gave us such a unique friendship. And through that friendship, he introduced me to another chief um, who the first time we sat down, he said to me, the Lord said to me, Jake, that uh, you and I are going to be like Moses and Aaron. And we're going to go all over and, and minister the word and, 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 and watch God take on palace after palace and nation after nation, and it was like, oh my goodness, like this thing's happening. And, um, and so for the last, oh, seven or eight years now, um, Chief Chipepo and, and the Overland team, but, but really at times he and our family and at times he and I have traveled all throughout Zambia, um, DR Congo, uh, we've been to the States together. Um, and, and we've watched as God has opened up these doors. And, and guys, I'm telling you, we're living in an exciting time. Africa, there's revival happening in this continent. This, Zambia is shaking right now. And the, the shaking that's happening in Zambia has turned a lot of heads. In fact, we just had an open door to come and minister to the king of the Ndebele tribe here um, and, and, and who received a Bible from Chief Chipepo. Um, and so God is doing some massive things in this nation that we've just been able to say, okay, Lord, like, you open the doors, we'll walk through them. Um, but it started somewhere, and it started with some level of faithfulness. And that's, that's what I wanted to, 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 to speak to you guys today, is that where do you start? Well, you, you just have to start somewhere. You just have to take the first step. What does it look like to begin shaking a nation? Well, you have to start shaking your person next to you. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to start reaching out to, to your neighbor. You have to start, you know, touching in with with those that are available to you. And sometimes I think we're waiting on this mountaintop moment where all of a sudden the, the, you know, the clouds open and this, like, this utterance from God comes and, and suddenly we know we're moving in. No, what it's about is you be faithful where you are. And the Bible says if you're faithful with little, then God will give you more to be faithful with. Um, and, and that's what I see in this body is you guys are being faithful with what God has given you. And, and I do believe that there's, there's a suddenly that's upon this, this congregation 
where many of you in a very short amount of time are going to step into a, 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 a new awareness of the capacity on your life because your capacity is actually your capacity is set right now and it's set by Jesus Christ himself so there, there's nothing actually that needs to change in you but an awareness of what you carry one thing I get so frustrated by um, in, in our modern day Christianity is some of the songs we sing some of the worship songs we're singing we're crying out for something that Jesus has already given us and it drives me insane I, I sit there and say no God if you would only give me grace you know or, 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 or please you know Father fill me with with, with wisdom or whatever it is and, and honestly if you look to the word okay in Corinthians it says Jesus who has become to us wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption meaning Jesus is that to you right now you're not lacking in it and I think so often the reason we don't want to step out is well the right minister hasn't laid hands on me yet or I haven't been to the right place oh if I, if I could only get to Bethel then that portal of heaven would somehow, you know, the, the, the flame of God would consume my life. And I, guys, I promise you, you're going to go to Bethel, and it's going to be cool, and it's going to really, you know, big. I love Bethel. I'm not knocking on them, by the way. I, Bill Johnson's guys are great. But we have these crazy concepts in our mind that are not biblical. When Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, was on the cross, and he said, it is finished, and the entire earth shook, and the temple split in two, and the veil was tore from top to bottom, Father had accomplished what he needed to accomplish over, over your life for you to fulfill what he's called you to fulfill. The veil was tore where Father said, now you, my child, come to me. You have access to be intimate with me. You have access to share your heart with me, and I'm going to pour my affection upon you, and I'm going to pour my yes upon you because all of, all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. Guess what? If you've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives within you, and all the promises of God find their yes in Him, jeez, this is a powerful gathering right now. The only thing that God really put on my heart is I prayed last night to share was this, it's, has anyone seen the movie Coach Carter? So this, this quote came to mind, and it's actually funny because you, you actually touched on it a little bit. You said a few phrases that were exactly out of this. But I want to read this over you guys, and this is what the Lord told me to, 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 to speak over you as a, as a real prophetic utterance. I want you to get a hold of this, and there are some people in here, you've been diminishing the call of God. You've been diminishing your role in life because you think that somehow God's punishing you. But I want you to recognize that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he took every punishment you deserved on himself. Father is not punishing you any longer. He has released his love upon you. He has spoken destiny over you. He is not angry at you. He loves you because he sees you through the finished work of his son. That's the only way he'll ever see you. So in Coach Carter, there's a point where, where one of the more problem guys in the movie stands up, and, and in response to his coach's constant kind of tactics of trying to convince these young troubled youths that you're more than you think you are, he finally gets it, and he stands up and he says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light and not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. 
Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in all of us here. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Isn't that awesome? Guys, I want to tell you this morning, your, your problem is not a sin problem. Your problem is not, is not a lack problem. Your problem is not your finance. Your problem is not the, the, the family you were born into. If I want to lay out a problem, our problem is unbelief. And what is it unbelief in? It's unbelief in the fact that we're just not willing to grab a hold of and believe in the tremendous truths that God has spoken over us as who we are. God says you are children of God. God says you're priests of the Most High God. Father says you're the bride of Jesus Christ. And all of those realities relate to us an understanding that we have intimate connectedness with God, not based upon your effort or your work, but based upon who you are. And all of those confer to us that we have unlimited resource to do whatever we need to do and whatever he's called us to do. Amen? Too often we, we begin to cast ourselves in a negative light or, 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 or say to ourselves, well, I, God can work through the pastor or God can work through that person, but he, you, don't know, you don't know what I've walked through. You don't know what I'm walking through. And the truth is, I know what I walk through. <laughs> I don't know what you walk through, but I know who he is. I know what I walk through. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who he's been to me, he is to you. And so those of you who have sat for so long and convinced yourselves why God can't use you or why God can't flow through you or why the, 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 the manifestation of his glory can't be released through your life, I tell you, you are wrong. The only reason, so, the only reason that, I, that I get to stand today and, 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 and stand before presidents and kings and emperors and, and, and all these things, which we get to do on a, on a weekly basis throughout Africa, is not because God's impressed with Jake. It's not because West Virginia had this great you know, training program of, 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 of raising up leaders. I mean, the amount of people in the last two years that I've come to meet and they say, wait, wait a minute. You are Pastor Jacob? Yeah, it's me. And they look depressed. <laughs> I promise you. It's become a thing we just laugh about. Well, how did it go with that meeting? Well, they weren't impressed by me. But isn't that God? Hey, um, you know, the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, I promise you, they were not the elite of the day. The reason they were in the family trade is because they had flunked out of rabbinical school, meaning they, they were labeled not good enough. And here comes this rabbi who's walking in a whole new flow, who's, who's, whose presence is changing and impacting the nation. And he walks up to 12 nobodies and says, how about I make you greater than you've ever thought you were? You think you're just fishing for fish. How about I make you fishers of men? Capacity. And guess what they simply said? We believe. They didn't have to suddenly, well, let us, let us show you that we've memorized 10 verses. Let us show you how many days we fasted. Let, let us show you how many, how many times we've done this. No, he didn't ask for any of that. He just said, will you follow me? Will you believe what I say and will you follow me? And, and I, it's that simple. 
It's that simple of, of just saying, Father God, what would it look like if I just radically believed your word over my life? What would it look like if I just, if I just said, you know what, I'm tired and done with this mentality that, that presses me down to say I'm a nobody and I'll never do anything. What if for one moment that fear inside that says my, inadequate, my inadequacy isn't what I'm afraid of, but my potential greatness is maybe what I fear. What if I stepped into that for a moment and dreamed with you, Lord God? What would you do? You're going to stand before great people of this earth and proclaim the kingdom of heaven because Jesus is zealous that all would know. That all would know. I mean, I just got back from Oman last week and we sat with a, with a, with a young man named Hussein. Okay, Oman. Right now, we've been working in Oman for three years. Up till... A few weeks ago, we knew of one follower of Jesus in the country. And she was part of our, of our team, and she's radical, but one, one, and has been through massive persecution. This family just came to Christ a few weeks ago, baptized husband, wife, four children, and we're like ecstatic because we know contained within that seed is the ability to shake an entire nation. And so we, pump, we have pumped this family for weeks just saying, this is who you are in Christ now. And they, that's all they've ever heard. They didn't have to enter some religious thing that suddenly taught them all their inadequacies and 10 steps to a better you and, and all these things that, you, you know, these band-aids you can put on to look like Christ, although you're not ever really going to be like Christ because you're only human, right? And wait a minute, that, that's not what the Word says. This whole thing of like, guys, please don't, don't look to me because I'm really only human. Look to Jesus. It sounds very... Uh, Christian and, and whatnot, but it's not what Paul did. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But he had no confidence in his flesh. He knew when he was saying, imitate me, he said, no, look to me because you're going to be looking to Jesus. Because I'm looking to Jesus. We don't have to apologize for what God has declared to be true over us. We have to grab a hold of it by faith. I'm not talking about some, some arrogance. Listen, there's no arrogance in me. I, I laugh. Every, every time I get to meet some new leader of some kind, I just say, God, you really are funny that you've given this little, frail <laughs> West Virginian the, the opportunity. That, and, and, and that's why people are so offended. They look at me and they always say, we thought you would be a very big man. <laughs> yes, I know. Very used to that as the first impression. But we do that to ourselves. We look in the mirror. We convince God, you know, God, you're looking for a big man. You're looking for, a, you're looking for better muscles. You're looking for this. You're looking for that. God's looking for faith. God's looking for someone like David that'll say, you know what, even though I'm a king and I have the ability to touch into anything I want, I, 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 everything is, is available to me. One thing have I asked of the Lord and that will I seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and to dwell in his temple. He just needs one. I promise you. What, but what happens when, when one becomes 20, becomes 40, becomes 250? I mean, guys, there's a momentum that, that, that is initiated there, and, and, I, and I prophesy that over this place, that you guys are stepping into an awareness of the capacity you already hold, you already carry. There is no lack in you. Jesus Christ satisfied every form of lack. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what, what emotional trauma you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've done to others or what others have done to you. When Jesus said it is finished, he wiped that slate clean. He spoke a new name over you. 
He gave you a brand new spirit. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. You're not defined by your, 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 your past failures and weaknesses. You're defined by the utterance of the living God who spoke this world into being. How much more he can speak us into a brand new reality. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's what I just quoted. It's one of the core scriptures in my life. And when I sat with Hussein there in Oman, I didn't see a frail, weak man. When I go, when, when our family goes out into the field, when Karen and Jamie go out, we don't sit with, with poor Zambians and say, here's, here's a goat to alleviate your suffering. I hope that we've done something to help you and walk away feeling like we've done some good humanitarian work. It's just vile what we call missions these days. We sit with these people and we say, though the world has, has declared poverty and lack over your life, Father God has never done it. God sees power. God sees self-control. God sees love. God sees beauty. And you begin to speak the word of the Lord and you see these people go, oh my gosh. And if they just grab a hold of it by faith, you watch their entire lives go. The economy of their lives, the, the, everything changes when we grab a hold of his word and say, you know what? Let, every, let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you guys have been walking with pains and with bruises and with weights from what others have spoken over you. You'll never be good enough. You'll never get past this thing. You've listened to the accuser of the brethren who's spoken to you about some habitual sin that has clung to your life. Here's what the Bible says about sin. Sin will have no dominion over you because you're no longer under law. You're under grace. Meaning this, sin has no part in your life and no power over your life. Anything that has given weight to that argument has been broken when Jesus said it is finished. So guess what? Walk as a free man. Walk as a free woman. Walk according to the truth of heaven and not the truth of man. It's all that we need. And we get to declare in Morocco, we've got our guys. In Israel and Palestine, we've got Raj and Palestine. In every place we go, we just find, if we can find one, it's enough. Sometimes the reason I don't get to come through here more often is because I'm like, geez, there's Adrian and there's a whole company here. I don't, South Africa doesn't need us. You guys are here. Not needing some great new teacher, pastor, whatever to come in and lay hands, but simply needing you to grab a hold of the word and saying, Father God, let us run. We're ready to do this. Let me start to close up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, and I, in verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. This is Paul speaking. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, you would never think the guy was weak or fearful or full of trembling. I mean, he took lashings, beatings, imprisonments. You know, you read about his life and go, oh, I could never be like Paul. And I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If you have Christ in you, then you carry the same spirit. The Bible says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. doesn't matter how great of a public speaker you are. I hated public speaking growing up. I hated it. I shook and trembled, and it was my worst class. That is not why I'm a public speaker today. I'm here standing before you confidently declaring the Word of God because of what Jesus, of who He is in me and what He's done in my life. 
I just want to tell you guys, you can, there, there, there are many in this building today that God has begun to put pictures and ideas and prophetic promises that you just have not yet to take that step and to say, you know what, even though I can't figure it out yet, I can't figure out how the resource is going to work. I can't figure out. Never let your vision be directed by your resource. Okay? Let the vision be set forward and let the provision come. All right? Not only corporately, but individually for your life. All right? We've got to start stepping out and doing those courageous things that Holy Spirit has put in us and watch what God does. I promise you, this, this place is going, to be, is going to be far too small, far too quickly, as much as it's great. So long as you guys understand that it's not just about lifting up one iconic leader. This is about the economy of heaven coming to an entire group of people and each of you going, we know the weight that we're each specifically called to carry. We all have a purpose in this thing. We're part of this body. We're part of this team. We're part of this family and we're going to carry this load together. God will do insurmountable miracles through, through, this, through this company right here. I promise you. Um, and and I, even, I, I even believe it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be beyond South Africa. It's meant to be beyond South Africa. South Africa needs more churches pioneering the mission efforts throughout Africa in a genuine way. I love that you guys are already tying into the Sterlings and, and, and do it all the more. I love that, that you're dr dream big, dream bigger. You haven't dreamed big enough yet. If, I've, if, that's, if that's the final statement I can leave with you, it's, it's, it's that God has given you the capacity. He's given you the capacity and the permission to dream as big as you want for his name. And he is going to satisfy the yearnings of your heart. He's going to satisfy the desires that he's, pl that he's placed in you. Believe it or not, he's put them in there. It's his honor and his, it's, his, it's his longing to satisfy that very thing. I am, um, through, through these journeys, it's not always been easy. It's not always been what you would predict, you know, if, uh, as we begin to launch out. It's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. Um, when we started pioneering Congo, God opened doors. Chief Chapepa opened a door with another chief for me. I went there, showed up very late at night, and when I say I went there, like four days journey through hectic conditions, and at one point a 15-year-old was driving the motorbike that me and another guy were packed onto, a 125cc with our luggage, going through about 35Ks of Congolese bush. To get to this location, we get there, we're welcomed by the chief, you, have, you can do anything you want here, no problem. Um, he puts us in our little hut for the night. Midnight, my door gets kicked open, and suddenly I'm grabbed by a bunch of Congolese who also have my translator, and we get put into a Congolese prison for the night. And they want money, and they want all kind of stuff. And you're going, okay, Lord, this is not what I thought I signed up for. Because of that imprisonment, the emperor of an entire group called the Lunda Luba tribe, which is over Angola, Congo, and Zambia, gets notified. For 40 years, he's been praying for a missionary to come to his land. He gets us out. We meet with him two weeks later. Suddenly, the entire nation of Congo were able to, to, to just shake. He visits us six months later in Zambia. I get a phone call from the president of Zambia saying, I have to meet the emperor. Please, can you bring him to me? We get a presidential escort to the state house, the state lodge, President Lungu's home, with the emperor saying, no, I came to this nation for spiritual revival on my life because it's, it's what I need and it's what my people need. Now, as a 17-year-old, I could have said, Father God, you want to call me to the ministry, but I've looked in the mirror. I don't have what it takes. 
And you see, you see the, the domino effect of what that would have on, on God's plan and God's call. This isn't just over West Virginia Jake. This is over every single one of you. You have to get this. The call of God on your life is going to do things that you have not yet even begun to dream up. But it takes following Jesus. It, it takes surrendering to his love. It takes being willing to say, I'm going to trust your word more than I've trusted in anyone else's word. It's going to take some stepping out and some dealing with the consequences of what it means to step out because it, it's not always sunshine and, and roses. The Bible does not promise that it's always going to be that way. In fact, it promises the other. It says, if you follow him, you are going to suffer, but he's worth it. He's worth it. And establishing his kingdom on this earth is what is, is the longing. It's what everyone's longing for. They just don't know it. You know it. You carry it. You carry the wisdom. You carry the strategy. God's strategy on this earth was not, hey, I'm going to take Jesus for a while and I'm going to send him back and he's going to fix everything. Jesus, when he ascended, the disciples said, is now when you're going to come and restore every, you know, everything back to Israel? He says, no. It's not for me to, 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 it's not for you to know the times and seasons set apart by my Father, but you, when the Holy Spirit is set upon you, will go and be my witness to every tribe, to every tongue, to every nation. The strategy of heaven for this world to be revolutionized is you. Born again, full of the Holy Ghost, released. Wreak havoc, enjoy. And that's it. And we get to do that. We sit every week and Phil and I go, is there a new nation we want to take this year? Is there a new nation? No, there's four. Okay. We need more people that are willing to be born again filled with the Spirit, and to wreak havoc because we need to release them into this place or to that place or the other place. That's literally, that's the, that's, those, are the, those are the conversations we have these days. And we take 20-year-olds and we release them to nations and say, make it happen. And they make it happen. I know we had an altar call already and I know I've probably gone way over time. Um, but I want to say this. And I want to make sure that you, you understand what I'm saying here. Too often, altar calls at the end, you know, it's like in your mind you're going, well, okay, if I don't get this, 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 this set of hands to, to lay upon me, then I'm going to miss what God's doing. No, my message to you today is you have what it takes. You have everything you need. The impartation you've received when you receive Christ, it's, it, you've simply not been willing to step into all of your inheritance and all of what you've received because for so many factors that we understand, the world has convinced you otherwise. You don't have to be convinced otherwise any longer. What if the greatness that you read about in the Word of God, what if the, the lives like Moses and Gideon, Gideon hiding in the wine press, and God comes and says, mighty man of valor, stand up. What if he did that to you? And I'm telling you, he's done it to you. He's done it to you. And so what I want to just ask for today is that it has to, that, that step of faith, that, that, that willingness to say, I'm just going to step out and I'm just going to believe your word over me is true. I'm going to surrender to your love. I'm going to believe that, that I've got to do nothing to earn it. And, and Father God, in that place, just speak your word over my life. If that's you today, just step up where you are and say, I want to make a stand to say, Jesus, this low, this, this, this diminished level of thinking, this diminished level of faith, this, it's, I'm done with it. You can fast for 21 days. I promise you, this is going to be where you land. 
You can, you can memorize verses of Scripture. You can do all the disciplines and all the things to think that it's going to now somehow propel you. No, what's going to propel you is your faith in His finished work and your faith in His promise of your life through His Word. Amen? So if it's you today, just stand up. Stand up where you are. And I just want to, I want to, I want to just, I want us to pray together as a community. But what I want you to see is if a, if a, if a, if a nation, I, we look for one person, I promise you, we look for one person willing to do this in a nation. And we go, we've got the nation. What does it look like when a community of people say, we're making covenant today that we're going to hold each other accountable. We, we will not permit the dishonoring of what Jesus accomplished 2,000 years ago to happen any longer. We are going to step into full capacity. We're going to step into the, the utmost. We're going to now engage with God on His terms, not our own. Let the Word of God, you know, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for every person in this room. Whether they...